and welcome to episode 14 of The Coriolis Effect, kickstarting the new year. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew. And today we've got the last three segments of our interview that we did all way back in November, Dave. Most of this podcast is going to focus on those three segments of interview. But around that, uh, we've got some news from the wider world of gaming. Uh, and that's going to include a bit of a chat about our attendance at Dragon Meet. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that comes up in the interview. And we're going to tell you what's happening in our next episode, episode 15, when things get somewhat back to normal. Yeah, we've we've been away a little bit for these last few weeks over Christmas. So sorry for uh, having a uh, relatively long um, spell without anything coming out Christmas and all the rest of it you know what life is like, it gets in the way sometimes but we will be well, getting ourselves that nothing came out, I snuck out a little five minute episode while you weren't looking <clears throat> well I know, um, which is fine well done, you should, you know, let's uh, you know, let's collaborate on these things in future maybe, you know <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good I'm glad to get that out because I, I did feel a little bit uh, like we were struggling to find the time to get anything out but I think absolutely in the new year, we will get ourselves back to our normal routine. We'll have pretty much got all the interview, uh, certainly the Swedish interviews we had played out for you all to have a listen to. And we can get ourselves back to our normal um, discussion, bantering sort of routine with um, more of me and Matthew, which is clearly, I think, what what our listeners really want. Yes. Well, according to the <laughs> survey, that's partly true. Every part of... Uh, what we've done so far has been popular with some people. Um, I, if you remember, I had a question that I asked people to rank every element of uh, the content that we've put out so far as whether it was their favourite or least favourite in order. And it was really good to see that um, pretty much everything had somebody uh, liking it as their favourite thing. And similarly, pretty much everything uh, had people saying it was their least favourite. So it, feels to me that the mix of what we're putting out so far is meeting everybody's differing needs and we should carry on pretty much as we're doing. Um, there was a, a little bit of demand for a bit more discussion of stuff that's uh, happening in the world of uh, Third Horizon and uh, some dissection of some of the fluff material that's in the book. So I think we might start talking a bit about that a bit we, more. Well, I think that's pretty much... Uh, sort of what we'd been thinking of doing anyway for some time, isn't it? I mean, the the discussions we've had over a number of episodes around Zalos, for example, has, I think, fitted that really well. But I'm more than happy to, you know, keep a keep a closer focus on some of that Horizon setting material and, you know, make sure that we don't go off, off piste too much into areas that perhaps might be a bit less interesting to, you know, to the majority of our listeners. Yeah. So, uh, We'll, we'll we'll do some more of that, um, and uh, we'll be doing that really from the next episode because most of this episode, as I've said, is going to be talking or listening to the last bits of our interview with Freel again. Yeah, but before we get there, I think we um, let's have a little reflection on um, Dragon Meat, which is now about a month away, um, or you know, is a month ago when we were there. Feels a lot longer with Christmas and that in the in in the way, but. I just wanted to say for my first Dragon Meet, and I say I hadn't been to a games convention in a big one for a number of years, 
it was really good and the the event was really well organized and really well populated there was loads of people there um we both ran a coriolis game in the morning and i would just like to say uh, a great big thank you to uh paul jeff mikhail doug and stuart who were my five players playing my scenario which was called all our yesterdays um just for really getting stuck in and making it a really great game um, yeah, I, I heard a report that they really enjoyed it. Um, I heard that a little bit, uh, sadly, from uh, somebody who thinks she um, might have been uh, had more fun with their scenario, with your scenario than with mine. So I think <laughs> I have to admit, here and now, the argument has been settled. You are the best GM. Dave. It has been settled. I am the best GM. Yes. Well, <laughs> not that that was any surprise, actually, to me. You know. oh, well, it was to me. You can be sure of that. <laughs> But, uh, but next but, year, maybe I will reclaim my title as the best GM. We'll have to wait and see. I think, yeah, thanks to everybody uh, that that played uh, in both our games and just came to chat to us. Um, it's the first time I've ever been at a convention where somebody's come up to me as a kind of actual fan. So a shout out to uh, <laughs> Jana from um, the uh, London Role Playing Club who... Uh, who came and had a chat with me quite early on in the day, and it's it's really nice that uh, people out there are coming to talk to us. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, I I think we'll probably if there's a podcast zone again next year, we'll probably go again. Yeah, I'm sure we would absolutely. Um, uh, you know, it was a really good opportunity to meet a lot of those podcasters who, uh, who are, uh, you know, our peers, our contemporaries, and to learn a lot from them because they've obviously been doing podcasts. Uh, for you know, a, lo- a long time, they've all got a lot of experience, and it was great to chat to a few other guys and girls there, and you know, take away some stuff that is gonna hopefully um, make our podcasts, uh, you know, a little bit better. Even uh, you know, <laughs> if that's possible, he says, full of himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but, uh, if I can find a better co-presenter, then obviously we will improve our podcast. But uh, for the time being, we'll have to just see if we can upskill you a bit. Well, unfortunately, I do have to stop this podcast in about 10 minutes. I've got a number of people arriving for who are interviewing. I'm interviewing them for the co, uh, co-podcaster role. So actually, you better get on with it, because otherwise you'll be out first. Right. OK. <laughs> well, um, uh, anyway, uh, is there anything else we want to say about Dragon Meat? I bought a nice couple of um, trays, but I didn't buy very much, actually. No, I didn't buy. I wonder buy... whether that's because I, we've got so much on order with Kickstarter and things. Now, I, I didn't buy uh, anything, I don't think, on the day, but it was great. We had a great chance to have a good chat to Lloyd Guyan from uh, Modiphius and uh, interview him briefly. And the creator behind uh, Nibiru, uh, Federico, we had a great chance to chat to him and hear a little bit about his game that's uh, going to be kickstarted sometime later this year. And I think we'll we'll put those interviews out, not on this podcast, but... Um, next time in the time maybe after. in the next episode but that was great a really good chance just to network a little bit and meet a few like-minded people who um you know it's always great to talk to other gamers particularly creative gamers who are doing things and of course um it was great as well to meet all the other podcasters in the podcast zone and actually um join their podcast as well yeah uh, uh we played did I don't think we appeared on the Rolise podcast, did we at all? No, we didn't, unfortunately. No, so but- Callum from the Rolise organises the whole um, the podcast zone uh, bit. 
and uh, I yeah we we he helped us interview Lloyd Guyan. He loaned us his fancy bike, and in fact took us to Federico and persuaded us to interview him as well. So so uh, we should we should give um, Callum a great praise for that. Absolutely. But we appeared in a session, didn't we? That was really good fun. A very short D and D session that we had. With the formal gamers, yeah, the formal gamers ran this game uh, eight or ten times with different groups, and it was—I mean, it was really great fun. It was just really silly, and um, the guys just played it, ran it really, really well. Uh, my brother Tony, who was with us, was able to join us. So Matthew, uh, me, and Tony were all involved, and really um, recommend that people go off and have a listen to the formal gamers. Um, you might catch us, but you'll obviously catch a lot of other really great stuff as well. Yeah, you'll hear you'll hear everybody's different approaches. It was the same problem, and it was an interesting, quite surreal problem. It was entirely all, surreal um, problem. <laughs> <laughs> but like all the best GMs, they haven't pre-written a solution, so I think everybody took um, uh, different solutions in. And actually, we were maybe the more traditional D and D players in that we just hit the bad guys with stuff until they died. <laughs> uh, well, it, it seemed- uh, Seemed to work, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed to do the job for us. But uh, our journey there was kind of an interesting one, so it is worth listening to. And they're the GMs, or they're the sort of GMs that I really admire, who can do voices. So um, yeah, uh, even having, even though the Elvis impression wasn't supposed to be Elvis, but it did sound just like Elvis. <laughs> was it not supposed to be Elvis? I don't think so. No. Are but, you uh, sure? Yeah. Because you did say thank you very much. Anyway, never mind. We <laughs> leave that to our listeners. Listen to yes. the formal gamers podcast from Dragon Meat and decide for yourself whether we actually met Elvis or not. Uh, and also, after you left, Dave, I had an interview. Well, you had a quick chat with the um, critical twits. Critical twits. Yeah, 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 excellent. And so uh, they were they were interviewing. I think uh, about twelve other podcasters for their episode, which is out now. It came out dropped on the 5th of December. Um, they left me to last because, frankly, I'm the best. Um, <laughs> and I really sold Coriolis to them. Uh, within their gaming group, uh, somebody had expressed an interest in the game, and so I took this as an opportunity not to talk about me, which I hardly ever do anyway because I'm a modest sort of guy. <laughs> okay. uh, but to talk Fair about enough. the game and how much fun they'd have playing it. So if anybody out there um, is is needing a little bit of external evidence to to stick under somebody's nose, a reluctant player's nose, to get them to join your Coriolis game. Get them to listen to episode 91, I think it is, of Critical Twits, and you'll hear me bang on about it uh, for ages. Talking about banging on, we've seen the uh, early drafts of three chapters of the Forbidden Lands Kickstarter, which came up... um, well, I think just Earlier today, yes, yesterday it? or this morning, I think it was, yeah. yeah. So now you've had a better chance to have a quick look at it than I have. I had a quick glance through it earlier. Um, really good to see this stuff coming through. But um, what were your what were your first impressions, Matt? Oh, well, uh, I can't say I've read it properly yet, uh, but it's nice to get something like this draft, which is not just a draft of the text, which it could easily have been, because, of course, um, the translation from... Swedish to English is taking a little bit more time, I think, than they planned, so they weren't able to show us as much as they really wanted. But what they have shown us is laid out, and there's a real old-school feel uh, to it, as as we were promised. 
Um, but the rules are pretty much the zero engine rules that we know and love from from Coriolis. Um, with, I, as I say, I've only kind of skim read it, but I've noticed some distinct problems solved and issues that we've discussed, like you know our slight reluctance to put in stone um, a character's problem, which uh, yes. in in Forbidden Land is called uh, Dark Secret. And you know, we, we've had a discussion about whether we're ready to do that right at the beginning of character generation or whether it's something that might appear during play. Well, here, they've made it really explicit. If something comes up that's better during play, just swap it out. Make the, make the thing you've discovered in play your dark secret. Don't be beholden to what you thought of when you were first creating a character. Yeah, we had So a, that's nice to see. I had a really good example of that yesterday evening, in fact, when I ran the, the latest uh, scenario in the Spectral Corsair campaign, where... Oh, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler, actually, so I won't say this. I'll say this another time. No, but, one, uh, but one of the characters... Say it out of context. Go ahead. But one, well, one of the characters... They'll have forgotten by next month. <laughs> possibly. One of the characters, I won't tell you who, uh, a new character in the group, had started with a, a problem of uh, the Legion is after them. They are a mm. Legion Nakatra, and... Uh, but they've been nerfed, so they've had problems. But they're still quite powerful. So the Nakatra, if you look them up on page 330-something, um, are really quite powerful. But um, he had this, the Legion are after me, because he's formerly, you know, created and, 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 bred, problem. Yeah. and bred by the Legion. But anyway, during the game, <clears throat> they ended up getting into a fight, and he attacked one of these people and rolled a 66 on his critical hit and it, with using his teeth. And in effect, if um, I'm sure everyone's seen... Uh, the old, the classic old movie, The American Werewolf in London, and, <laughs> and at the if end, they of, haven't. They should go and see. They it should now. go and see it exactly. Well, not now. In about an hour, when we finish blathering on. Yes. But um, in that film, at the end, the werewolf is cornered. He attacks a policeman uh, as he's trying to escape, and there's a shot of the policeman's head bouncing down the road and off a car's bonnet and stuff. <laughs> That's what happened to this guy's head when the Nakatra attacked him. So he immediately changed his problem um, to uh, bloodlust or loves the, ta- mm. loves the taste of blood, which I thought was really good. I, you know, he hadn't gone into it to kill the guy, but the 66 critical obviously was going to be pretty damn fatal. Um, but yeah, so that was just a little aside about how, uh, how this kind of thing works. And I think for Dark Secret, I think that's an excellent idea to, to, to make that a bit more formal and get it in the front of people's minds that mm. if you've got a bit of a crack a crap problem and you want to change it actually don't worry about it particularly if something yeah. in the particularly if something in the game makes you think oh, that's an incident that would lead to that problem well yeah just change it that sounds like a great idea and there's another lovely thing i like about it which is um as as they told us uh, and i think you'll discover the them telling us this in episode 13's interviews they really wanted because this was an old school game to include other polyhedral dice yes and one of the ways in which they do that is you can get a d12 for your pride <laughs> uh, and your pride is the thing that you do best and you can describe it any way you want to so if you're a rogue you might say i'm the sneakiest rogue there is the yeah. most silent infiltrator or whatever and that's your pride and at uh, during the game, uh, when you've got a really tough sneaking challenge, you can say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm going to invoke my pride here," and you bring out your d12 and you add that to the dice pool. And of course, it's really easy to score six or higher on a d12. Um, you've got, I think, um, 
you know, 50-50 chance of getting a six. Or even is it anyway? Sli- it's sli- uh, slightly better, isn't it? Yeah, slightly better than fifty. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, um, and uh, so you roll that, and hopefully you succeed. But and I love this little mechanic: if you don't succeed, you can't have that pride anymore because you just <laughs> proved you weren't the sneakiest sneak. You think. Yeah, and so you have to drop that and then play the next scenario with no pride at all. <laughs> then you choose another one. And you get a D12 back on what you've decided is the other thing you're best at. I so like, I love that. I, I like love the that. mechanic. I love the fact that it's about somebody's, you know, you can imagine people bragging that they're the sneakiest sneak thief there is, but not <laughs> actually being quite as good at that. So I'd love to see how that plays out, but I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, that sounds excellent. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've only seen the first three chapters, which talks about uh, character creation. It talks about the world and it talks about the skills and the dice mechanics. Um, just a, a quick there are no darkness points in this game uh, it's more like the dice mechanics from Mutant Year Zero which you're familiar with Dave yeah so more chance of breaking stuff breaking your weapon or your, or yourself in if you um, if you roll ones uh, there is though um, a little bit like when you push the dice you get um, mutant points don't you in um well, I think they're, they're, that's going to be magic points, however they term it. Well, it's going to be will points. Is it will? Is it? Okay. And the will points is what you use to power your magic. Yeah. And, so so that's and, fine. That's very similar to the mutant point powering your mutations in, um, in Mutant Year Zero, which is fine. It's a really good mechanism. In Mutant Year Zero, there is danger in generating those points. Um, you have to um, push yourself in order to get them. And that obviously carries an inherent danger of of damaging yourself and and, and, break, yes. and breaking yourself, uh, which is again it's a nice tension. And um, seeing that uh, that mechanic brought into Forbidden Worlds, uh, sorry, Forbidden Lands, in the way that it is, I think that's great. It's really good because it's a it's a nice mechanic in Mutants. I think it's going to work really nicely in uh, yeah. Forbidden Lands. I think. Um... I think, now, don't quote me on this, because as I say, I've only skim read it, but I think it's slightly different in that you only get will points when you roll ones. Okay. So so it's only when you do actually do damage to yourself or your weapon uh, that you get your will points, I think. So it's not the, it's not the risk of going for them, but it's a, almost a, a reward of... of, of uh, or rather, a quid pro quo, should we say... Um, in terms of taking whatever the damage is that you do from from getting your ones, but yeah, we'll we'll look in more detail at that maybe in the next episode, or uh, we'll have some more information by yeah. then or the episode after. And I need to scrub. We up ought to a, really. <clears throat> I need, yeah, so and I need to scrub up a little bit on my mutant year zeros because that actually might be the way it works in mutant year zero, but it has been over a year since I've played it now because I've been playing Coriolis instead. But yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we can we can clarify that one for next time. But yeah. yes, we really ought to move on um, and, and and get ourselves introduced into the next part of the interview with the Free League guys. Yeah, and uh, this bit of the interview starts when we ask them about the open gaming licence. So in the Forbidden Lands Kickstarter, you promised us as a stretch goal the Year Zero Engine open game licence. Yeah. yeah, we did actually. What oh. do you expect to get out of that, or not what you expect. What do you, to what be honest, do you hope to see. I mean, out? to be honest, that, that I mean, to be completely honest. So, we, we was someone in the comment section that that suggested that it was me. Was it you? It was, yeah, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were like, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, 
good idea. That's a good idea. Why, why? So, so actually, you think this is a bad idea? If you want to lynch him, I'll just step out. <laughs> so, then, my then. question, I, I'll turn it back to you. What, what, what's that noise? <laughs> I think no. it's because I was going, I want to like put so much of this stuff out. Yeah, so, I mean, I, obviously, you know, uh, Dave can see an opportunity here to do his The Thing game, obviously. Yeah, things like The Thing game, yeah. You'll have to, you'll have to, you know, you haven't got John Carpenter's yeah. approval for that. So no, to... that's why it's called Tango Tango 82, <laughs> not The Thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, I, think, I think it's more of a uh, case of why not. I mean, it's if people yeah. already hack stuff, I mean, there's people doing Warhammer fancy roleplay hacks mm, of yeah. Year Zero and so on. Uh, it's not, I mean, there's some guy doing Star Wars uh, every year, right. mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like uh, if some people enjoy the system. Why not give them the tools to do it? I mean, yeah. it's not that complicated. It's it's not a big thing that we're gonna make any money off, but it's. I mean, part of the RPG thing is people creating their own stuff. Yeah. So okay. why not? So just to, and this is a technical point. Maybe this will be too boring for this podcast, so we might cut this out. But I'm kind of interested in this, in that... Um, That's a really good opening line. Yeah, yeah. Really? This. <laughs> Sounds great. This is, this is the boring bit, Weird. guys. <laughs> so I can see Dave, he can get away with sticking his Tango Tango 82 yeah. under the terms of your OGL on, on, onto drive through and selling a few copies. Yeah. Um, well, you never know. But I'm aware of the fact <laughs> <Don't> that... <laughs> In fact, the, <laughs> the only game that you own outright, including all the IP, yeah, is is Forbidden Lands. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I want to make some stuff for Coriolis, are you going to be able to give me that permission? Or is... That's actually something we, we're talking yeah. about. And, mm. and to be honest, the, the, the final word is not said, but I think what we're going to go with is you can't put like the Coriolis logo on, on front. So you can't say this is Coriolis product mm-hmm. because that would be obviously a fall under the IP. Over, yeah. But what you can say, this is on the back maybe, you can have a logo, this is compatible with Year Zero engine, which includes this and this and this yeah. and this. And so you can't, but you can't produce actual you should have said no, Lisa. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been easier. Would have been yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, well, I guess, this is a legal, I mean, it's a yeah, legal yeah, issue. I mean, yeah. we, we have figured it out. But, but it's, I guess the key thing is about making sure that people aren't passing stuff off that then others think is no. stuff you've yeah. done, I think which the, might not come to your standards. Exactly. And, and yeah. I think that the, what we talked about, at least internally, is that you can't put the game logo on the front page. No. Yeah. Uh, but you can't put, I mean, it's, I think Savage Worlds does this or something. You have like on the back, yeah, but this is uh, a Savage Worlds product. You can yeah. use it with this. Mm. It's not official, but it's, I mean, it's it's compatible. And, so, uh, what are you planning? Dave's pretty much got something ready to run. Oh. Um, I'm I'm kind of I like like you guys do, you know, messing around with with worlds. Yeah, I, yeah, I, cool, I, I add cool. bits to worlds as opposed to invent the world myself. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I like doing. Let somebody else do all the creative heavy lifting, and then you just like. But that's yeah. that's what we always did. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. we created part of a setting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's good to build up on someone else's. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, we, I mean, Forbidden Lands is our first original IP, and that's for a reason because we like to build upon other people's existing structures. Because mm. if we do that, we find we can. If we focus on this, if we do that, Mutant is the prime example of this. We changed the focus of the game, uh, and it turned out pretty good. Um, mm. And we just we want to bring back the post-apocalyptic feeling to the game yeah. instead yeah. of the, because it's it's the cyberpunk and all. Yeah, the, and the, the, the Warhammer 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 no, yeah, but the Fortnite Swedish version was more like uh, steampunk. steampunk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you were in cities. It was uh, you know working class against the uh, aristocracy. 
was a you cool never game. went to the zoo. It was a cool game, uh, but zone. you never, you I mean, never zoo. saw yeah. the waste. What's yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was kind of different. Yeah. So we done on the Year Zero engine, Dave. Well, anything else on on the the kind of fan creation stuff? Um, one thing that we were talking about on one of the podcasts was the the arc concept from Mutant, mm. yeah. 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 but swinging that into Coriolis. Yeah. Cool. A now, colony. So yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah. so we've had quite a lot. Of, we had quite a lot of discussion about it, and it sort of came to the conclusion that we've found in the in the campaigns that we're running so far that our our players just head off into the black, and they're you yeah. know they're, they're gone a long way away from any, any you know, space station or, or planet yeah. base. Ooh. So it might not have the same no. kind of mutant year zero feel where you don't then go too far from your no. arc because oh. you you'll be dead before you get back. Yeah. But it, but it then kind of brought up the idea of. Is there something else? You know, is is there a dynamic we could have whereby you have a colony ship or a ship that is a community yeah. that oh, you are cool. going around with that yeah. forms that? Yeah. Or okay. and we were then talking about. Well, you've probably got ideas for what Nadia is and where it is and all the Why rest of it. it. <laughs> but but whether we, we, we were just like riffing on the plane today, yeah, uh, coming over about well maybe because Coriolis because Zenith was created in Coriolis in, in relatively easy form. Perhaps these ships were built in modular way. And actually, in that era, on the way to the Third Horizon, has broken up into all its constituent parts. So you've got hundreds of colony ships now broken out That's a out cool idea. We're going to take that. Do you want us to write it for you? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it's, it's interesting because we, we discussed a similar idea uh, to what you were talking about uh, some time ago, doing a prequel to Coriolis where you actually play... Uh, the crew on Nadir yeah. and yeah. you play to explore what happened to it mm. yeah. uh, and what you mean because in the game in Coriolis no one knows what happened to it I mean no. does it exist where, where did yeah. it go but if, if you want to do what you could but do a game no. where the whole point <laughs> of the game is to actually explore that mystery yeah um, well as a GM I've been thinking where do I let my players find Nadir yeah. You know, yeah. What's happened to it? Where mean, they get I mean, We actually had that plan as a, uh, as a middle part for the Mercy of the yeah. Icons. I mean, so the, we had the first part, then you played the Nadir part, and what happened in the second yeah. part would affect the third part. Yeah, yeah. But the funny, yeah, it's, it's true because Nadir is like the big enigma. Yeah. Uh, which is, all, I mean, to be honest, it's also it makes us a bit wary of using <laughs> it because it's, I mean, it's so good just having it there because it's so juicy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you don't tell everyone, what actually happened to it? Yeah. It's probably going to be an anticlimax. Yeah, it's going to be anticlimax. Yeah. Like, oh, it just ran out no. of food. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they all died. <laughs> Everyone's dead. Exactly. There was a supernova <laughs> on the road. <laughs> Tins like they didn't have an opener. That's yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we had a bit of a discussion about it, and then you know, because I love the idea of the the arc in in. Mutant. Mm. Yeah. I love the idea of the stronghold or whatever garrison whatever yeah. it might be called in Forbidden Land. Really yeah. looking forward to yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I do remember when Coriolis was first mooted uh, up on the up, uh, on the Kickstarter, thinking, "Oh wow, yeah, you have an arc concept. This ship will mm. be your arc." Yeah, and actually, it hasn't thought. really no. translated. I know into that. it is interesting because I remember we talked about it behind the scenes. Like, I think I remember talking to Thomas and I said, "I think people might expect an arc, maybe in this game. We just we don't have the mechanic. We we, just, mm-hmm. we, we don't mm-hmm. we we kind of frame it as like the 
the successor to Mutant Church here, but it's kind of different because it's yeah. more traditional. Yeah. But um, we, we had plans, of, but it's hard to make... Uh, I, mean, I don't know how, how yeah. to expand space, the ship yeah, as the an art. Ship, yeah. but, it, but it's not you know? really the same thing. It's much more traditional. Yes. I, I think... Um, Better circuitry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem with... There's a problem with, with that. I, I love... I mean, I think the arc works brilliantly in Mutant Juice here. But there's a problem with having a base. And the problem is that if you have a base, you don't want to stray too far from it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that kind of inhabits uh, exploration. Yeah. And you in uh, some games, you want people to go out in the black. And then yeah. it's not good just having a base you have to return to. Keep so coming back to yeah. No. I, I think, Although, I think we, in its favor, uh, I think the, the point is, it, having had that moment in the Kickstarter, thinking, oh yeah, great, this should be the arc. I've been playing Coriolis for at least six months, if not nine months, before I went, Hang on, the ship is in the arm. <laughs> yeah, so I was yeah. enjoying it so much yeah, yeah, that yeah, uh, yeah. it wasn't actually an issue. Yeah, no, it's, no. It isn't an issue, but it's just yeah. whether there's an opportunity there. Yeah. Mm. I guess you get something else, right? You, you get that whole Firefly, the kind of the crew yeah. on the ship yeah. feeling that you mm. don't really have in, in Mutant. Mm. You don't have the kind of tight-knit group. No, nothing. Yeah, no, the arc, of course, has got yeah. antagonists yeah. in it as yeah. well. Yeah. It? I mean, yeah. you're, you're more working towards the same goal. In yeah. Mutant, you have lots of factions, and you have, yeah. I mean, you have more potential of avengers maybe in the arc. But yeah. yeah. And but there's no factions in Coriolis. No, yeah, <laughs> no <that> almost <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah so slight. <laughs> no, I mean, but, some but of the, the stuff in the Atlas Companion was actually kind of made to kind of, I mean, it's, it's not comparable to the arc system, but it's. This mishaps and the stuff that makes the ship come alive. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, travel in, mishaps. Yeah. yeah, you're in a floating tin can, right? And yeah. it's uh, it's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I yeah. think, and they frequently do in Dave's campaign. I'm the engineer, after all. But I mean, I think that's the lovely part of it. I think yeah. I don't yeah. get that in that many other games that you, yeah. you you kind of toy with the electric system or the life support gives up no. or whatever it may be that happens. Like, yeah. you can kind of really. You can really play on that, mm. and that's a cool thing because that was one of our twelve first PDF modules was about you know spaceships, mis yeah. spaceships yeah, and yeah, yeah. mishaps yeah. during the travel, and the the travels should be eventful, shouldn't yeah. just you know go through the darkness forever and ever, and then you arrive. <clears throat> but now I think that's a really important point. Uh, what you're describing is one of the at least um, what one of the game design goals we had. I'm not sure we always succeeded with that, but do you know uh, there's a module for a traveler call? I think it's um, uh, it's yeah, same as you, Rickard, which is the free trader uh, oh, right. manual or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like a detailed. It's super super cool. It's like a detailed. It's made in the 80s. Yeah, a detailed manual of the inside of a spaceship in the travel universe. With like in-game descriptions of how everything works. Okay. With like pictures. This is the galley. This is where you get food, you press that button, you get that. And it's like, and it's so cool. This yeah. is like a cabin, you can, uh, this is the toilet, and so on. And just the, the immersion yeah. factor of that is like crazy. Yeah. And something not exactly like that is too much, but. but That's I think, what we're aiming for with, uh, you know, star. star yeah, wonders. making the, I mean, making walking around in a spaceship. I think that's, for me at least, that's the kind of the holy grail, yeah. experiencing yeah. a spaceship. Yeah. Um, I think one of the great things about designing ships and I and I love designing ships with the mm -hmm. with the uh, the rules in Coriolis and then I draw the map and all the rest of it. Yeah. But I love then thinking, okay, I'm walking up the ramp now. I'm imagining Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And there's, there's there's a computer game called um, Seven Days to Die, which yeah. is like a, a zombie creation game. But I had a server on that which was mine. And so basically I used it to build ships. Yeah. I didn't worry about the rest of it. I just used it as a creation <laughs> thing. Yeah. And then I'll take videos of the ships. Yeah. 
And mm. largely it was, we were doing a, it was the online, Ball Withershins was my captain. We were doing an online, oh, the online Firefly, Firefly game. Yeah. Mm. And we yeah. had a ship, and so I went on to the my server and built the ship. Mm. And you never showed me that. Man. Did you no, know? I know, it was a bit crap though. That's oh, why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't come out quite as well as I'd hoped. <laughs> um, but again, that whole immersing yourself into imagining yeah. what it's like being in the bridge or in the brig. I think or, it's a big part of people that like yeah. really science fiction or playing. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like just being able to imagine being in, a, in the bridge. Yeah. Um, Watching space. And just, just hearing you know. the humming sounds and so on. I mean, mm-hmm. for, for me, that's and that's why I think for these kind of games, uh, being uh, experience the travel is yeah. as important yeah. as yeah. coming to a destination. Or yeah. uh, so, but, but I'm not. I don't think we got it perfect with Coriolis, but we tried, and I think yeah. we can. Do, but it's. I mean, that's the ambition. I, I, no, I think you've got pretty damn close yeah, actually good. as a player yeah. and as a GM and and using the, the Atlas compendium yeah. and all the rest of it um, going back slightly one of the things that really drew me to Mutant Year Zero which really applies well for Coriolis as well mm. is uh, you could craft a scenario using the rules about rolling up systems or rolling mm. up the zones mm. that would fit into a three and a half four hour session down the yeah. path yeah. Yeah. Mm. rather than needing a whole Saturday yeah. or something yeah. and, and that, I love that because yeah, that's I mean, what I wanted to do and that's uh, what I was getting I into I think that's what actually one of the core principles we have and I think that's how we game as well because yeah. I mean getting older time is the most yeah. precious <laughs> I mean, uh, and having something you, you, can, so you can take a character sheet you can make a character in five minutes but you have kind of some relationships and you play a session and you, it feels like a full session in yeah. like three or four hours yeah, yeah. I mean, from, I think for us, if you, that's, that's the way you want to go. Yeah. yeah, And I think you really hit the sweet spot yeah. on and, uh, certainly Mutant and Coriolis for that. So what I found really interesting there is something that you've done a lot of uh, in your campaign and I haven't done so much of. You know, their design goal of really trying to make shipboard life an interesting living thing. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to simply making the ship the arc as... as um, they might have done as, as something you're developing, or the oasis, uh, as they time. call it, yeah, or the oasis, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and think... of course, you spend a lot of time on board ship, more time than my players, which is you, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, have. And yeah, yeah, I kind of regret not spending a bit more time shipboard with you guys. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a double edged sword in that um, you. To make the most of it, I've found you do need to play fairly regularly, quite frequently. And obviously, mm. we, you know, we've played a few games of Coriolis because we've, we've um, squeezed them in for your campaign, uh, Matt. But actually, on our normal routine run of the mill, um, uh, uh, we uh, might only play two or three times a year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it will be harder because then you'll be taking a lot longer to get to your to your objective. <laughs> yes. So in my in my campaign now, we've now played. 10 scenarios and they still haven't reached Odicon, which is their end destination they're very close now they're one jump away but they aren't they aren't quite there yet but that's that's been great i mean having the campaign being almost the journey rather than the destination is is is, is really good for me as a as a referee because it allows you to do lots of different things there's loads of different scenarios and games you can run they have npcs on board the ship with them and they interact with them and there's some mystery around some of them and one of them has a relationship with one of the npcs and Mm -hmm. how's all that going to play out um but then on the other hand it means that there's there's pressure on me as the gm to make the final 
climax, you know, the last episode of the season, you know, them finding their mission, really, really good. Because yeah. otherwise, they've had all this bloody journey. They've spent six months, nine months playing the game to get there. It's got to be a damn good denouement at the end of that. Otherwise, it's going to be, oh, is that it? Um, yeah, it's got to be a really powerful... Uh, it could it could so easily be an anticlimax, which is the fear I think every GM has of the last scenario in their campaign. But yeah. You're probably right. It's it's really doubled for you. But also, I mean, it's... I think the other thing is we... you Certainly with Coriolis and how dangerous it can be, you run the risk of killing characters off in a mm. long in a long journey to get to what, yes. was, what was the first mission they've ever been ever been sent on. It won't be too big a spoiler, I hope, to say that in my campaign, one of the characters has died in in this journey out to Odicon. And, mm. um, you know, I'll give the details, you know, next time. But, you know, I was thinking, uh, you know, you could get to... <laughs> could get to the end end scenario, the, you know, the the final mission, and half the group would be different. You know, if mm. not, in theory, it could all be different. You know, yeah. if if they take a risky approach to to, uh, to to the problems that they're facing, and um, so that's something that could easily spoil. It'd be like be like you know watching Firefly, but by the end of the season, you know, Jane, Mal, and Kaylee are all dead and have been replaced by somebody else. So yeah. It does require a bit of management, I think, just to make sure that... Uh, maybe, maybe I've spent too long on getting them well, there, possibly. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that could... You know, it might be that the next campaign you run, people want to have a more home-based campaign. But I'm yeah. just thinking... I mean, it's we talked a, a little bit about this in the interview, and I, I think I cut it out because I didn't want to bore these guys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we talked a bit about your campaign um, for... Uh, Serenity RPG back in the day, yeah. which was based uh, uh, around Tanner's Hold. You know, it was set on a world, and it was about the uh, well, uh, living in a community and that community expanding and, and impacts on that. Yes, we went into space occasionally, but the main focus was on a single location. And so you did that in one science fiction campaign. Yeah. This might be your next science fiction campaign. I don't think there was anything in between. So there are two contrasting campaigns there, and your next campaign in Coriolis might well be, you know, world-based again, or all actually happening on Coriolis. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. I mean, that that campaign with Tannen's Hold worked really, really well in the Serenity Stroke Firefly universe. I think the things that makes it harder to do that in Coriolis is the cost and the expense of actually flying anywhere. So mm. if you if you are going to go to you know, a different system or a couple of systems down the line. Actually, in time, that might not take you very long. It's only a couple of jumps. It might be a few days flying down to, to the portals and then a few days flying at the other end. But you're still maybe only talking a couple of weeks. But the mm. cost could be 10, 15, 20,000 burr to get there and back. And that's not an insignificant amount of money. So maybe there is, in my mind, there was that feeling that that kind of limits you're going backwards and forwards kind of home-based scenario or campaign. Whereas yeah. going on a long journey, you're making your money as you go in order to do the next leg of the journey. And it's more of an odyssey rather than uh, backward and yeah. forward. I wonder... Now, are your I just, crew... Hang on, I just had a thought. Sorry, very briefly. Maybe there's something in in the horizon where you get like a, a portal license or a portal... Um, what do you call it? Like a pass or something? And actually... 
only certain really important people get it. But if you could get hold of one, it gives you free passage through the portals. Just a quick aside. Well, that's an interesting thing. I was just about to say that what I, you know, what I like about what I've heard from, you know, your campaign and the rules is it has been a struggle for your guys to get the money together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the slight frustrations I always had with um, Traveller was we used to get quite rich quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and not have stuff to spend the money on. And you know, this feels more Firefly-like in terms of that expenditure. I know, you know, you're always complaining that I that my patrons don't pay you enough um, <laughs> for, you, for your adventures. Yes. But, you know, they pay you enough to get through the portals. And, you know, you've got a few burr left over to buy yourself a couple of beers afterwards. Yeah. I don't know what you're complaining about, frankly. <laughs> um, life in space is tough. Yeah. And that was... Uh, I'm just remembering uh, that, you know, that's what Martin said about the first version of Coriolis. It was meant to be, space was meant to be like the desert. Yeah. A really tough environment. It is a tough environment for modern day astronauts. And, and it's tough financially for your guys. I, I, I'm yeah. really loving the way you've done it. Oh, cool. I hand waved, if you'll recall, in, yes. in the last uh, adventure we played, I hand waved you all the way to Mirror pretty much uh, by not even rolling on the mishaps table to see whether anything happened on, on those jumps, partly because I'd offered you three options and you went for the one that I thought you were least likely to take. Um, <laughs> like to be as difficult uh, as possible. <laughs> Maybe what I should have done is make your journey hell so then put you off <laughs> taking that option. Well, have me dead, dead before I get there. Uh, but the way I was thinking about it is, well, let's get them, you know, let's get that thing out of the way and then they can come back to Coriolis and do their thing although actually you know you you then did other things as well like you're all um i don't know i'm, I'm going to spoil this because i'm not sure whether we'll be producing this as a podcast because i think i might screw that recording um i still haven't listened to it yet though. That's uh, okay. Christmas for you. um but i will spoil it you've all ended up in hospital <laughs> you're all and, really badly injured and under arrest and under arrest, yeah. yeah. I mean, how am I going to get you out of that? I, I, well, I've got some <laughs> ideas about how I'm going to get you out of that. Um, but you weren't particularly saved by the other players because I, I, the scenario I ran at Dragon Meat was a follow-on from that situation. Yeah, and that's... they came and interviewed you, um, but they, they didn't do anything with you. And I realised that actually, again, um, I say you took the wrong turning. There are no wrong turnings. But what I thought you'd do, having made friends with the woman from... Uh, uh, the the daughters of the match uh, the weeping matriarchy is the word I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> Get there in the end. Th then when you're hired to nick something from the reaping matriarchy, I thought you were going to go and work with her to find out who was asking you to nick the stuff. <laughs> Maybe fake the nicking, but no, you actually nicked the book and then got into all the trouble you got into. Yeah, well, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> Just as a, as a little aside about you know GM's thinking that they've given an obvious clue or a, a real pointer and it's something that the players will do but then they actually don't do it. On yeah, our, well, I, on I wasn't giving... I know, I, I wasn't... I, I just assumed that that's what you do. I didn't I, I didn't yeah. I gave you the clue to it. Maybe I should have done. But I well, do remember in, in, in um, saying at some point, oh, finally, you're talking to her. But it was only so you could case the joint, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, didn't tell her. No, but I was going to say in the Pendragon game that Andy ran for us on our weekend away, uh, my son had been had disappeared or had been kidnapped, and he'd left a a rumor that he'd been found somewhere on the south coast of of uh, Anglia, um, 
a month ago or six weeks ago, yeah. assuming that I would immediately run off and chase down the lead. And I just thought, six weeks, he could be anywhere now and carried on doing what yes. I was doing. <laughs> so, well, the other one I'm really cursing is the fact that I guessed exactly what your son would happen to your son pretty much very yeah. early on in the game. And almost had it confirmed by his brother, I think. But I misread what Andy told me about what his brother's behaviour was. So uh, I didn't pick up on the fact that he was actually saying, yes, you're entirely right. <laughs> Never expect players to understand your carefully laid clues or no. railway tracks. Or um, follow them ever. <laughs> yes, ever. Exactly, yeah. But still, yes. you know, we got ourselves a, you know, it was a great fight and... Um, and we've got ourselves in a different situation now. Um, I'm not sure you're going to be bounty hunters from now on, though. We're going to have to think very carefully about that. But we should get back to the interview. Yes, absolutely. So we had... Um, uh, the, I think the next part of the interview was talking a bit about uh, Mercy of the Icons, wasn't it? And Ricard's experience and um, his his perspective on doing that. We've got Ricard here. We've talked a lot about the Mercy of the Icons which must be surely Freer Legan's longest-running project. It is. It's about to reach just... fruition. <laughs> yeah. I no want to hear more about Mercy of the Icons. Yeah. Now, yes, Ricard, absolutely. I've got to admit, you sent us a bunch of stuff. Thank yeah, you, you very much for that. Right? What? Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but don't worry, it was all in Swedish. Yeah, exactly. And sadly, Dave's wife, wife was too busy to translate it. So <laughs> Having come back from holiday, her work was... just signed the NDA? God damn. So we only sent it to five or six other the gaming oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all out there. It's up on Lulu. It, yeah. it, it, it is. It is top secret. It's only between us, and we, as I say, we haven't read it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so I tried to, but my Swedish isn't that good. No, no. Too much. So. But I'm, I'm really keen to to hear about Mercy of the Icons. I'm quite quite keen for the for the upcoming uh, prequel adventure. When is that? When the is last that voyage of Gasali. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, and uh, to be honest, the last voyage of Gasali is one of another one of the what do you say? Inheritances of Gendringen, yeah. uh, right. which uh, Rikke did a great job on on improving. Uh, Christian works a lot of that. Christian as well. Yeah, yeah. he, he uh, yeah he, yeah exactly. He rewrote it right. Yeah, and then he did. Uh, at the last minute, I because I was starting to write immersive icon stuff by them, so I just made sure that they connected. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, so there is a you don't have to play it. No, but it's, it's much more meatier than yeah, the first. Yeah. The you first version was very bare bones, and it, the, the, the new version is m- more meatier and a cooler shit. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's one problem here. I, I just gotta admit it because we uh, we did the dying ship, and then we did the last voyage of Gasalis. The problem is both of those are of space thought, yeah. going under in the yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. like yeah. it's a little bit. Maybe we should have wired us. But yeah. then the dark flowers is not. As but let yeah. me tell you about Mercy of the Icons because yeah. we got the the first version. In, when we started as Freya Liga. 2008. Yeah. And it was called... Nine uh, or nine. Mercy of the... No. What's the English title for Emissary Song for Trump? I don't the, know. I mean, the, literally, it's the Emissary who disappeared, but it doesn't yeah, sound right. good in English. It sounds yeah. good in Swedish. It's been translated to something else now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad title. No. Well, it's it, quite it, good the to Swedish have Christian titles. It's a good one with the Swedish Emissary Song for Trump is that it's it uh, alludes to uh, the Valeria, uh, a Valerian, you know, the Valerian comic. Yeah. There's like a classic Valerian comic that was called in Swedish. Uh, what's the Ambassador. The Ambassador. Who, who that is weird. Right. So it, it's right. just, you get it's the right to, feeling of just hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. But in English, you lose it. Uh, right. so, so that's why we don't use it. By the way, okay. we got the version called uh, The Emissary Point Zero Eighty Five. Yeah. And that was like 
eight, seven years. Ago. Yeah, with <laughs> yeah. the old rules, and yeah. we had that, and then we started discussing how to rewrite that. The problem, the, yeah, the problem with that scenario, uh, the campaign was there was a super cool plot in the background, but the ones that was play facing was nothing. Of, of it didn't see no, the plot. I mean, no, it, like, okay. the GM, and when you read it, you're like, oh, this is cool. It's like a really big plot. And, and, That's and, what you have to look forward to. Yeah, and, really and cool the actual, <laughs> but the, the adventures was pretty short, and they were all they were all in Coriolis Station, and the, nothing really happened that much. No, uh, they were all just on the station, which it was like, damn, we want to see you know the wonders of the horizon. Like yeah, 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 yeah. So that that was, uh, and actually, I think that's. I mean, you shouldn't talk crap about. The first edition, because I mean, you did. Yeah, I didn't. No, but I mean, they, I mean, no. Yaring did their original Just work. So straight, you know, brilliant. <laughs> I did. But I think one of the problems with the first edition was that it was too too focused on the Crayola station and it ignored mm-hmm. the rest of the Third Horizon. Yeah. And I think what we did, at least, the, not I don't think I know what we did. Yeah. Uh, was to well, open up. Yeah. You the third. This is the Third Horizon. Go wherever you want. So, yeah. yeah. Go and and explore. That's what yeah. We, go yeah. explore. Yeah. Um, and that's what I thought was the original problem with, uh, with yeah. the first of the items. Yeah. 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 But then we rewrote it yeah. and we added, we sort of thought we should add a part, not expanding the horizon, add a part going down to the Cure planet. Yeah. See? Yeah. So we have one part on the Cure planet and then we have the end part. Yeah. And then we had a freelancer who still works for us and has written the Pillar of the Quadrant mm-hmm. who wrote. Uh, we gave him a sort of script, write this and this, and he expanded even more. And then I sort of started to to edit his stuff. Yeah. And it took a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> and then we called some dude. <laughs> we can't point on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And he continued editing. But he didn't just edit. He added no, a that's lot the of thing. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't be editor. You have to be writer too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a <coughs> problem with the first page. I don't want to talk too much about that, <laughs> yeah. actually. So that's that's okay. But uh, yeah, yeah. I was brought in as editor. I thought I was going to do completely different things. But then, yes, Costa, you just told me that, uh, hey, how about uh, taking over this campaign thing? Yeah. Because they're not it. satisfied with my... Yeah. And at first... I'm I a think, physician, uh, too. Yeah. I say vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good job. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's a worthwhile job. I remember being really diplomatic at the, uh, at the start, just going into, like, making little comments in the document. I was yeah. like, could we change this a little bit, maybe? And maybe this, and maybe this. Um, how long did that last? Uh, two days maybe uh, <laughs> then I stop following all the fucking comments yeah. <laughs> so just like, fix it no, uh, you can add it straight into the documents like oh if I can write new stuff yeah, yeah it's yours now <laughs> essentially kind of dumping it in my lap and then, uh, then I started no, no, I'm just giving it. you a gift yeah, yeah. 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 delegating kind yeah. of what's though uh, dumping sounds like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so hard shit <laughs> <laughs> can, but, I um, can I say that we can say that we've had the odd Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, we started. It started out as editing, and then uh, since it's, um, uh, it was quite a lot of kind of factions and a lot of kind of meatiness in in the background, and we had. To, I felt that that had to be cleaned out a bit. Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been cleared a little bit, and uh, we've also kind of connected it to a kind of the grander scheme of things. So there is a lot more. I think a key aspect for me was to not just give the um, the. The players and the GMs, um, just that story. So there is a lot of um, uh, we extended the, the introduction 
chapter quite a lot so there is a lot of stuff there that should spark some imagination for for your like gms for for your own adventures essentially and then um the different locations that the, the campaign is going to uh, are also kind of expanded a bit more than just what you need for the adventure so the point is that um at least from from my side of things is that you should be able to get the mercy of the icons and not really play the campaign if you mm. don't wish right. to do that yeah. but you can kind of engage in each section each place each location of the it's got a, the world. a compendium element to it yeah, 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 it, yeah. It, it is and a part of that is actually the uh, it's based on the fact that Costa had written the basement for Coriolis and there's mm. part of the adventure going down into the basement right. and I was so intrigued by that uh, place I was saying like it there's a lot of text here but I I personally when I read read it the first time I was like I really want to go down here and spend like countless adventures in the basement <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right so then that kind of a started to get applied to all of the locations that you you visit throughout the, the campaign, uh, and then we rewrote the second part quite a lot. Yeah, and and we also added, and you added a lot of. We wanted to add a part where you should get um, sparks to continue playing adventures yeah. between the first part of the verse and the second. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you wouldn't have to. You know, I have to wait for another two years now because Freya Ligan has a lot of <laughs> secret <laughs> projects. So, so we we had the plan to add micro adventures, and then you added the the you know you merged that with the ad, each part should have an icon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going in there. I I think. Um, so it's just the icon the adventure you... generation table. Yes, MSRI, yes. Yeah. this is the epilogue. So, yeah. so a part of the epilogue, <laughs> which, so okay, um, word count and number of pages, not my strong suit. That was that was a point from the beginning. You <laughs> so know, it was too as, long. Yeah, I, I totally failed at yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make it shorter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I totally failed. I could have done that. Totally failed. Uh, sorry about that. But uh, I think it turned into something yeah, really cool. Yeah, I think cool. it turned into something. Uh, and uh, part of that would be the, the epilogue is, is meant to kind of bring you out of the... This is kind of a teaser in a sense, right? Mm. It's, uh, yeah. It's adventure is kind of setting the stage for something yeah. greater. And um, uh, I really wanted coming out of that for... Uh, and we talked about it. Like, you, you should explore the emissaries, really. So that's why there had to be an emissary generator in there. Mm. Really fun to, to write insanity tables and stuff like that oh. and uh, there are new powers and stuff inspired partly from conversation you've had in your pod actually about, about tier, tier, tier based tier two. yes ah, so that's in there as well and um and then we wanted to give um uh, a couple of kind of seeds for adventures so there are uh, you can kind of create your own emissary adventure uh, from that there is a bunch of t- tables for that and then you can also a few of them suggest you going back to places that you've played in the in the adventures in yeah yeah and kind of explore those further and explore mysteries that you're just kind of uh, touching up on uh, in the campaign but then you as a GM you can kind of build up on those stories yourself so that's kind of cool um, mm, I think- I, naively I think I said that it, it's gonna be like uh, uh, six pages mm. that was my original as the, ep- the epilogue yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so not quite. We have to revise the page count again. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, cut this. <laughs> now, Christian actually said that uh, the layout guy. He said that uh, we're gonna try to make it fit. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, 
Ricard, you, you've written it. It's, it's now in layout and I guess into translation into English. It's yep. going to take some mm. months for that to happen. Yeah, we were actually aiming for a, a Christmas release in Swedish, but we just missed that, so January. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So generally in Swedish. Swedish. Yeah, and English shortly after. So. And yeah. and so from what you're saying, that's not going to be another Kickstarter campaign. That's going to be a, a just a, a release out. On I think that. Thomas uh, sort of uh, we discussed that with him, and we haven't decided. I don't think it will be Kickstarter. I'm really excited about most of the icons, and I can't wait to get my hands on it and see what it's uh, what it's all about. No, no, you can't. No, 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 no. Because I'm going to run this. I think this fits in really well again with your characters. Yeah. No. How, how many, no. I said. How many of these so things? If you are, remember. Are they, go on. Go on. I was going to so the the last thing that came out the uh, last voyage of the Ghazali. I said I wasn't going to run, and you could run that one. You're no. thinking back to Alam's Alam's Ravine, where yeah. I said, "Don't look at that one because I want to run that." But you haven't run um, that one yet, have you? No, I haven't run that one because no, exactly. you went off in the wrong direction. <laughs> so that's this is two, two, uh, you know, great Freerlegan productions that you are telling me I'm not allowed to have. You're worse than my wife saying, "Oh, you're not buying that on Amazon, are you?" Well, hold on, but you made me run Coriolis in the first place, remember? <laughs> Well, I didn't make you. I advised you that you'd be a <laughs> madman if you didn't play it and run it. No, 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 yeah. no. I said, oh, so you're, you know, you want me, I'll get a PDF for this so that I can play in your campaign. And you said, no, no, I'm not running this campaign. You are. <laughs> so, so there, I'm running the campaign. It's Fair finally enough. coming out. I get to read it first. But okay. I have to say, it is also looking like a thing of beauty. Have it, you seen the picture? I have. Been doing the rounds on the internet. I have. It's yet another fabulous piece of artwork. And uh, yeah, it's just fabulous. Really cool. Gorgeous. Really cool. Really gorgeous. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, uh, check out our Facebook page because I reposted it there. I don't yep. know whether anybody's put it up on um, on the G Plus uh, one at all. I haven't noticed um, no. I, don't, I don't think so, but yeah, we should do that. It looks brilliant. Yeah. It's really another fabulous bit of iconic artwork. Yeah. Now they they finished off, and I've cut that interview quite short actually, because uh, they, they 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 finished talking about that, and then moved on to talking about Kickstarter. Mm. But they said they probably weren't going to publish this as a Kickstarter, so it'll be coming. I imagine first of all as a PDF, and shortly afterwards in print into yeah. the shops. Um, and then, but that, they got into a really interesting discussion about Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. And you and I have been really impressed by how professional their Kickstarters have been, how they've not overpromised. Yeah. But that wasn't always the case. Because <laughs> we have a problem with Coriolis Kickstarters. We keep adding stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucks up. They're too damn successful. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. I don't know. They were, they were one of the first ones. We used to be. You were high. We burn ourselves. The Swedish Coriolis Kickstarter, we burn ourselves pretty, pretty bad. We haven't produced everything yet. No, we still. We promised a damn cookbook. We're doing a cookbook. Mahib's cookbook. Which uh, costs well, like eight, eight, eight recipes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, no, I, I've decided I eight, eight recipes. I think we promised a book. It's a cookbook. It's called cookbook, <laughs> but it's just like yeah, it's a pamphlet a in the book. It can't be eight recip
too about you know how to use your stasis yeah. capsule you might to, to, to do moldy uh, so, uh, so, 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 right. so one is oh, hummus wow. <laughs> yeah. the next one is kebab is falafel I'm liking this as well though. Yeah. stasis capsules are as, as cooking instruments yeah you know you you make Roquefort cheese in your stasis capsule that's actually a good yeah that's a good story I mean the point is to actually connect it to the world it is meaty so this this is really interesting I just want to touch on this uh, we in the English speaking world have been so impressed with Freer Legan's shall we say control over over their Kickstarters you know you, you, it, it's been apparent to us <laughs> yeah. that you haven't over promised and you oh. know KSEM almost went bust well they went bust actually yeah. Yeah, yeah, to be honest yeah, yeah. over the Call of Cthulhu yeah, one yeah. And yeah. luckily, some fans with lots of money yeah. bailed them out yeah. and, and, and ran the company out. Yeah. It's so easy for Kickstarter to go that wrong way. Yeah. And what you're telling us now, which I think is, is a bit of a scoop for us on this podcast here, <laughs> is, is that control and excellent Kickstarter stuff that us English speakers yeah. think that you do is a lesson you learned in Swedish Yes, kids. it is. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 in Coriolis. We have two big, uh, how should we say it? Two big um, uh, Kickstarters that was huge lessons for us. The first one was actually in English. It was the first Tales from the Loop yeah. the, mm. uh, art books in English, which turned out to be enormous. I mean, it was a big success, but it took us so much more. Uh, I mean, we, we couldn't handle it. It was so yeah. complicated. Yeah, It and was two books, too. Two books, which we double, do a day. double shipping. I mean, yeah. shipping an art book to Japan is like $65, and we, mm. we charged like... Thirty-five dollars for the books. We lost. I mean, yeah. And also, and do that twice. And also, and all the merchandise. We and have you merchandise know, for everything. Cups, hold I mean, on we to we those cups. All the mistakes you can do. Value. Uh, <laughs> they're they're going to be rare items. Yeah. And we cups. Yeah. 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 Again, that you know, that that's the thing that actually I think almost took care of him over the years. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we learned that merchandise is not a good thing to do because no, it's just no. it adds so much. To Overhead to everything volume. that you have to actually yeah. ship and produce <coughs> takes away effort yeah. from your core product. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, after that, and after the Coriolis and the Swedish Coriolis Kickstarter, where we got so happy that people still love Coriolis, they were like, "We're adding this and this, yeah, and you know, this. Atlas Compendium, a new Atlas, a new Atlas, yeah. new Beastery, whatever." And we were like, Cookbook. We, "We were like high. We <laughs> were like high on the response." Yeah. Uh, so, but those two taught us that uh, we still, we're still. I mean. Doing stuff for the Swedish Kickstarter. Yeah, but and it's a lot of years later. Uh, all the text is actually written. Yeah, yeah. Except <laughs> the cookbook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the uh, the mini scenario, the algebra of the icons. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm writing that. I'm writing <laughs> <laughs> is that going to take as long as the mercy of the icons? Yeah. No. <laughs> I remember and, this uh, being actually a title that Costa came up with like in 2009. Yeah, so. because it's a good title. Yeah. It's not my. It's not my idea. It's actually from a, a Greg Egan book. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. yeah I was a company the... called the Industrial Algebra. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Making you know when you software it, was... for missiles and stuff. Oh, oh bad wow. shit. Yeah. So I have no idea what it's going to contain, but you know the title. title. No, 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 no. There's, <laughs> a, there's, there's a lot to be said for having a good title. There's an intelligence called Lazarus. Wait, Lazarus like in uh, in Stellar? No, Lazarus like in the Bible. Okay, <laughs> figure it out. Okay. Figure it out. 
No, but but you're right. Yeah. We, we did uh, we did screw up two Kickstarters, but we learned. Um, yeah. So we after that we try to keep all our Kickstarters very very lean. Yeah. And also try to be because uh, we had a lot of project. stuff to this first Swedish mutant too. We had a lot of yeah. stuff that went into yeah. zone compendiums, mm. very, very which we to took get, like to years to produce. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. And that's the problem when you have like a Kickstarter and it's like, oh, I want this, and people are like, where is the GU screen? I want that. And we're like, well, what should we do? Should we give them something or should we? Because we know we are just adding a lot of work to another yeah. big yeah. pile of work. Let's give them a free you... license for something. Should they do their own content? Yeah. 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 Just make idea. it. Do anything you like. Yeah. 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 Let's just hear I guess there are things also that you know there will be a stretch goal that might be a really fabulous idea all the fans would love, but it would actually be as you say, like either no profit or little profit yeah. or even a, a loss for you. Yeah. So you're not like kind of avoid yeah. committing to those kind of things. Yeah. We're even all though the fans profit. might love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not that much about, I mean, of course we do it. The stuff we promise, we try to turn into products even after. I mean, like for example, the Atlas Compendium or mm. I mean, there's, we had promised three different Atlases for the Swedish guys. Yeah. And also for, I don't remember. I mean, uh, we try to utilize them as products as well because otherwise it would be stupid we can't yeah. just produce because we have so limited of bandwidth we have to try to well make yeah. stuff that we can yeah. live up as well yeah. but um, or Nisa at least at, and at least me yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean for example soundtracks is a thing that's, <laughs> that's pretty easy to, <laughs> to do because it doesn't we don't have to do it we yeah, yeah. hire a freelancer hire we hire a musician that, do, that does it and that's that's good because then we can and it doesn't you don't have to ship it yeah. yeah, stuff like that, stuff that's abstract but usable. Yes, that's what's good. That that's the kind of stuff we try to find that we can do without disrupting normal yeah. production. We actually sold our first game as a USB card. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. So I I think we probably asked all the questions, and you've been really good with telling us all the answers we could possibly want. <laughs> yeah. Except it's, for the secret ones. Which, except for the secret ones, which we're not yeah. allowed to talk about. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I guess, uh, David, is there anything else we, we should have asked? I think we've gone through our list. Yeah, yeah. it's been yeah. great. And your yeah. podcast has been really inspiring as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really it's really. I actually good. listened to it. So. Yeah. But thank you very much, guys. So, so delighted to meet you. It's been a real pleasure. Great. If we make a new rule book, we'll have a hammam instead of a haibs. I promise. <laughs> your hammam. Well, I'd just like to wrap all that up with saying that that's the end of the interviews that we had with uh, Nils Costa and Ricard uh, from Free Gun. And just to say another great huge thank you to all of all the guys for being so uh, such great hosts and such great fun and talking so candidly about stuff. I think next time, um, if there is a next time, but hopefully there will be, we would love to also get the chance to meet Thomas as well, who's obviously another key member of the team. And uh, I can't wait to be sitting in the Bishop's Arms in Gamlestan in Stockholm again. Maybe, you know, maybe later this year, if the guys will have us and we could talk about Forbidden Lands and everything else that's going on uh, in the world yeah. of, of Freely Gun. Yes, and their secret project, which they wouldn't tell us about this time, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get them to tell us about that. We'll have to get them more drunk, more drunk next time. So we can <laughs> well, hopefully, maybe, you know, maybe it's closer to them being able to talk about it in, or about to release it or something. That and, too, yes. Um, they might be really keen to talk to us about it because they're about to do a Kickstarter or something on it. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll, we'll try and keep in touch with them and uh, be there in Sweden again, as you say, in that wonderful booth in the Bishop's Arms. It was great, uh, yeah. On Gamla Stan. Um, next episode, 
though. Well, before you go too far there, Matthew, I've had an idea. And I'm going, okay. to, I'm going to set you some homework before the next episode. So oh, in, are you? Yeah. So in light of the uh, some of the feedback we had off the, off the survey, which again, thanks to everyone who contributed to that, um, I think we are going to talk a little bit about, have a bit of a, of a debate next time about the syndicate. A debate? A debate. About the syndicate. And right. I, okay, and yeah. I'm and I'm going to set you an essay question, so you can lead off. <laughs> so you can lead off the discussion. Uh, we could talk about it. And the, I'm the, not writing an essay on this. No, one, no, but you I don't will. Have to. Yeah, I, I'll go away, read up the syndicate again, and your question and the is: que- the question is, the syndicate, are they all bad? And if I come back and say yes, that will be the shortest <laughs> segment we've ever had. Well, if you but rem- I won't. No, okay. If you, if yeah, you remember, it, it would normally yeah an essay question would normally say discuss in two thousand words or more, wouldn't it? So, uh, okay. Well, I'm not- going to discuss it with you, but I'm going to do my homework first. So, yeah, challenge accepted, Dave. Excellent. Um, Good. And so, yeah, next week, uh, next next time, then uh, you'll hear that discussion and uh, see my glorious victory over Dave. In that <laughs> um, We'll also, I think, probably have those two little interviewettes, uh, yes. a player in the hammam uh, with with Lloyd, and uh, an intro. I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a free league game, and it's uh, but I think it's kind of related to some of the stuff that we can talk about um, next time with it, Federico and his game Nibiru. Yeah, it's, it's, but we'll it's, also it's a, it's a very similar feel um, uh, science fiction kind of setting which uh again looks looks really interesting with a slightly kind of interesting twist so i think it'll be hopefully interesting to all our uh all our listeners to to, to hear a bit more about that that nibiru game yeah i think if you if you like coriolis you're probably going to like nibiru as well um so yeah and we'll be back in a, in a more usual format i think next time yeah so we might have a talent of the episode or some other stuff too Absolutely. Um, I was just going to say also, we would still really welcome people's views and comments on the podcast. And if you have any questions or any any thoughts, we're not going to in- introduce a, a formal sort of question and answer part of, of the podcast. But if you do have any questions you'd like us to have a think about uh, or hear our views on, please send them to us in all the usual uh, all the usual uh, mechanisms. As I said, you can find us on G+. We're on Facebook. Um, we do have... We're on Twitter. Twitter. And um, um, we have a... Reddit. An email that um, I don't remember off the top of my head. And our email address is uh, coriolis at fictionsuit.org. And um, send them through to us, and we will do our best to have a, have a look at them and, and talk about them. But... Um, and there's just one other thing, actually, I'd like to say. Um, uh, this... Uh, this episode this is a bit of a surprise Dave we haven't talked about this beforehand but I suddenly remembered it and I think it might be quite an important thing to say Um, you and I have both uh, kick-started Western yes and uh, so you will have seen uh, the messages we've had about uh, from Anders Gilbing about his wife Tova yeah who uh, uh, is uh, has had previously had a bout of cancer Um, it's it's back and I think the prognosis isn't brilliant for her. Um, and she's really keen that she spends uh, the rest of her allotted time here um, completing, well, the Western Kickstarter and a bunch of other stuff. And I think that means that 
basically um, they're looking for money so if you're um, if you want to love Tove they have a GoFundMe yes. um, campaign so if you google GoFundMe love Tove T-O-V-E um, then you can go to that campaign it, but I don't think I'm not, I'm not saying you should give them money but I think if you are interested in any of the stuff they've done, one of the things I did actually is go and buy uh, their Best of Phoenix volumes, collected editions on Drive Through RPG. It's a really good magazine in PDF format in English. The best of is all published uh, is all the English articles or or translations into English of the articles. Really nicely put together, and so yeah, I urge you if you. If you have any love for Tova and you would like to express that love, then then go to GoFundMe.com slash LoveTove or um, go, go and buy some, some of their stuff. Yeah, well well said, Matthew, well said. And obviously our, all our best wishes are, are with... Uh with Tova at this uh, at, you know, at this time but yes everyone please go ahead and uh, um, go to the uh, fund me page and and, uh, and and contribute that would be great cool okay so I didn't want to bring the episode uh, uh, to an end on such a downer but actually I think probably we ought to we ought to have said that so I agree uh, yeah uh, but I think we'll come back in a happier mood uh, in the next episode and uh, we'll have our challenge indeed so it's uh, goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me and may the icons bless your adventures You have been listening to The Coriolis Effect, presented by Fiction Suit with the RPG Gods, with music by Stars on a Black Sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing. Imagery from NASA and the Hubble Space Telescope, brought to you by Wikimedia Commons. Typeface is code by Font Fabric. <laughs>